This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, October 7th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. How South Dakota became a tax haven. Plus, a game-changing vaccine for malaria. But first, today's one big thing. Housing D.C.'s homeless people. Washington, D.C. is now piloting a first-of-its-kind program that's offering one-year leases to unhoused residents in the city. It could offer a solution for the more than half a million people who are experiencing homelessness across the country. Chelsea Ceruso is a reporter with Axios DC and has been reporting on how it's gone this week as the city has started to clear out encampments. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Chelsea, can we start with what exactly is this program that DC is piloting? So the pilot program, it it involves four different encampments across D.C. And one part of the program is to offer housing to people within these encampments. And this housing, um, according to service providers that are contracted by the city, um, they tell me it's 12-month leases, so temporary housing. But the program is also... um, coupled with a clearing of these four encampments. And this is sort of where the controversy has come in. You know, happening at the same time is D.C. just actually implemented a tax increase that began on October 1st, um, taxing D.C.'s um, most wealthy. And that tax increase is actually going to be funding 1,000 vouchers for permanent supportive housing, which is permanent housing and it includes wraparound services and supports for people. So that's happening at the same time. You know, of course, I've like, spoken with housing advocates. They're very excited about this tax increase, um, but they also say that they're um, worried and very much focused on what's going on with the encampment pilot at the same time. So when you say that the there was a clearing of encampments, what does that entail? Yeah, so the city workers came into two encampments this week, and they threw out tents. They removed personal belongings. I was out there on Monday um, during these two clearings, and I spoke with people there who there was a mix of uh, responses. A couple of people were actually part of the pilot program. They will be moving into housing, um, but they just weren't ready to move that day. Other people told me that they actually hadn't even been contacted about receiving housing. So we've talked about two things. We've talked about this pilot program as well as this tax increase and funding. Are either of these models that other cities are hoping to use? As far as I know, um, this is a pretty D.C.-specific program in, in terms of the tax increase. I spoke with a council member who helped champion the increase when it passed through the council, um, council member Ran Nadeau, and she told me that she modeled this tax increase off of the Way Home campaign, which is a coalition of housing advocates that is dedicated to ending homelessness. They analyze um, how many units it would take to get people into housing. So the council took that information and passed a tax increase on on D.C.'s most most wealthy residents, and that is intended to meet that number. And I believe that's 2,400 families um, that would uh, move out of homelessness through this tax increase. 
Chelsea Ceruso is a reporter with Axios DC. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Back in a moment with how the United States has become a massive tax shelter for the uber-rich. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. On Monday, we shared Mike Allen's thought bubble on the Pandora Papers, a massive leak of financial records, which shows that South Dakota has become a tax haven for the rich, like enclaves like Switzerland or the Seychelles. Felix Salmon has tried to understand how this happened and joins us now. Hi, Felix. Good morning, Nyla. Felix, how does South Dakota go from having $57 billion worth of this type of tax haven to $360 billion in just a decade? It's partly what South Dakota did. They made it more attractive to people wanting trust. Much more important was what the rest of the world did. The rest of the world basically cracked down on tax havens. So it didn't matter whether your money was in Switzerland or the Seychelles. It didn't matter whether it was in the Bahamas or the Cayman Islands. All of those jurisdictions signed this agreement called the Common Reporting Standards, which basically said that if some you know dubious foreigner had their money in the trust in their jurisdiction they would report that back to the native country and everyone else and there would be a bunch more transparency about where all of this money was being held there is one country in the world that did not sign on to those standards the united states overnight basically became the destination of choice for anyone wanting complete secrecy about where their money was Now that this reporting has come out this week, has that changed the conversation around how the U.S. handles this? I hope so. Like, I think that what this has really hammered home is, number one, the insane degree to which South Dakota and other tax haven states are being used as tax shelters. And number two, how easy it would be to kind of fix this problem, right? We don't need the South Dakota legislature, which only meets for two months every two years, to actually do anything at all. What we need is the United States Congress or the White House, I'm not sure which one it would be, to sign on to the CRS, these common reporting standards. If the United States treated its own trusts in the same way as the United States wants Switzerland to act towards Swiss trusts, then suddenly the attractiveness of South Dakota would evaporate. Axios is chief financial correspondent and author of the Capital Newsletter, Felix Salmon. Thank you, Felix. Thanks, Nana. Malaria kills about half a million people each year, and more than half of those are children under the age of five. But yesterday, the World Health Organization endorsed a vaccine for malaria that could soon be saving tens of thousands of lives. Axios's Brian Walsh has a story. Brian, good morning. How important a development is this? This is potentially incredibly important, both in terms of saving human lives, but also really in kind of trying to blunt the pretty significant economic effect that malaria has on the very poorest people of the world. 
You've actually had malaria. I'm sorry. What was that like? It was, you know, just days of fevers that would climb and then they would be followed by chills and just a sense of your bones almost breaking. And of course, I was very lucky. You know, it was just a few days of sickness. I could get treatment. But obviously, for hundreds of thousands of people, especially very young people, they won't survive this. How does this vaccine work? It seems to provide pretty decent protection against the youngest people who might suffer from malaria. About 30% efficacy over the course of four years of, of a clinical trial. And it works by kind of priming the immune system of those who take it against the parasite that's carried by mosquitoes that causes malaria. Of course, we all think we're vaccine experts now, right? And we understand <laughs> efficacy rates. But can you give us a sense of why this 30% efficacy rate was approved? It wasn't just the, the efficacy rate, but really they saw with both the actual trials clearly did save lives. It prevented kids from getting the most severe, the most dangerous forms of malaria. And if you model that out, you know, you're talking about potentially tens of thousands of lives saved, millions of cases prevented. And this is coming at a moment when progress against malaria is really stalled. So it's the perfect time to be able to bring in a, a vaccine, even if it's not potentially the best one that could be created. Brian Walsh is a future correspondent for Axios. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Before we go, in case you missed it, yesterday we told you about Winnie the Pooh, which made me feel obligated to share that in other fat bear news, 480 Otis, a bear at Katmai National Park and Reserve in Alaska, won his fourth annual Fat Bear Week title yesterday. The online competition spotlights bears in the park fishing salmon and chunking up for winter, what the park calls a celebration of success and survival. That's it for us today. You can always reach our team by emailing podcasts at axios.com. You can message me on Twitter or you can text me 202-918-4893. And if you have time to leave us a starred review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. It helps others find our show. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. From time to time at Axios Today, we like to recommend other podcasts we think you'd be interested in, like NPR Podcasts. So what's happening on NPR Podcasts? They're focusing on more neighborhoods, more identities, and more perspectives. NPR Podcasts are more voices, all ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts.